Welcome to the Ryan and Nate's Business Podcast. Come listen to these two blue-collar business guys. Nate, your go-to automotive repairer, and Ryan, your local heating and air contractor, talk about business, how to help you, and hear stories from our local unsung heroes. Community matters to them, and so does a healthy business. Here's Ryan and Nate. What's up, everyone? Um, we are interviewing Nate. Nathan, we met a guy named Nate O last <laughs> week. That was cool, and his name was Nate. My whole life. Um, and this is, yeah, this, yeah, you got to get a name change, my I friend. Know. I've never um, heard of that one my whole life. Everyone's always like, what should I call you? Everyone's always so, you know, scared to call me the wrong thing. You can't offend me. I just never heard Nate O. So I don't know. I might need to go with that. Yeah, we should have got more context, but we can steal it. Um, another thing I'm stealing is your script from last episode. <laughs> um, you have this whole beautiful thing written out, and I think it's amazing. And I was like, why do we have to change it? Nate did such a good... Nate, Nato, Nathan, <laughs> uh, Nate, Nate um, did such a good job. Wait, 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 hold so, on a second. Why'd you just call me Nate, Nate? Nate, oh, so Nate, Nate is off limits, eh? Well, no, I just, my uncle called me that when I was a kid. Is there like a character that's called Nate, Nate? Or did you just like, that no, just flew? I was just trying to float off the tongue. Fight. Okay. I, I have a almost one year old child. So I was going to say the night, but okay. Uh, that would have gotten weird. Yeah, I had an uncle who tried to get on my nerves when I was a kid. He called me Nate, Nate. Or the other one that got on my nerves, probably shouldn't share this because it'll just never go away. But my grandmother. My grandmother called me Nathan Bird. Nathan Bird. That's weird. Ter- super weird. Don't let's not use it. Okay. Well, your last name is Wiggly. Your first name is Nathan. Um, you have spent it's seen how many years in the automotive industry? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight years in the automotive industry, turning wrenches, running an amazing company. And then you kind of came out of crossroads of trying to grow the company. It didn't really work out, so. You decided, I really want to work in business. So now you're here at Atlas Consulting doing what you love to do the most, which is business. I remember dropping my vehicles off to you, and you would hit me with like a one-liner or a two-liner from a book you read or something you've learned yourself, and it would just rock my world. Um, You're always someone I really looked up to in the business world. Um, You know how to fix a car better than anyone else, so you know what it's like to be a technician. You know what it's like to be the top dog. Um, Over the years, you've taught me how to be an amazing leader, and I think that's why we work well together. You're a very good person when it comes to like executing things and just knocking out tasks. I like to take risk and, you know, get creative about things. So I think we work really well together. I couldn't be more honored to have worked with anyone else uh, in any circle that I'm a part of. I think I'm most honored to work with you. And yeah, you're just a badass, man. So that is your introduction. Um, my introduction said I have great hair. I think you also have great hair. Um, we wear black t-shirts a lot. Um, you know, that can be triggering if you know the inside joke on that one. And yeah, you're you're an amazing co-host. And this is all about you, my friend. <laughs> Maybe that needs to be the logo for this thing. We haven't yet to really like figure that out. By the time this is produced, we'll have a logo. No, I was thinking maybe, well, maybe black t-shirt and hair, like the, just the, 
the silhouette silhouette of like some a good hair. Johnny Bravo looking yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever watch Johnny Bravo? I know that's for your kids, but no, I didn't. Uh, so yes, that's some of our challenge, isn't it? We're like slightly different generations. We're coming at this thing from yes, slightly different you angles. Love, you love the eighties. You, your opinions on movies is sometimes concerning. Um, this is this is true. I'm just I'm a, I'm a I'm a student of all genres. So the eighties. I don't really remember the eighties. I was a kid in the eighties. I remember the nineties. I remember I remember grunge. I do remember grunge when it happened. I was blessed. I had all older siblings, so I was still allowed to be immersed in things that they were immersed in. And I think that's why I can like somewhat make up the gap between us. Okay. Um, I owe it to my, my older siblings. You didn't know you were being prepared for working with me. It's good. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's start off with an easy question. What have you failed at recently? <laughs> so you're really going to do this. You're going to turn all of my yeah, questions dude. on me. <laughs> I, I wrote those for you. They were very specific for you. I, I thought I, they were just so I gave, good. I gave zero. I so good. <laughs> I gave zero effort <laughs> at thinking about these for myself. So this will definitely be completely uh, cold, just, you know, just rolling right into this. So what did I fail at recently? What did I fail at recently? I, um, I tried to help my daughter on the ride home from school today with writing a poem and it's her assignment. She's like, dad, I need help with this. So on the ride home, we're trying to rhyme words and I cannot do that. Um, I'm realizing I have absolutely zero ability to rhyme and she just like, she just rolled out. She was like, well, what about this? And it was like amazing. So, um, I think that's, uh, parenting is a lot of the angle that I come at this business thing with. And, um, here I'll get, I'll get, I'll go deep. I'll go deep real quick. Um, just like a parent, like you want to release, like my job with her in that moment was not necessarily to do the assignment for her. My, my job was maybe to make her laugh a little bit and then let her do her thing. Um, and that's what happened. And I think that's very much with business is you got to set the stage so other people can shine and it's not your, it's not all, it's not the Nate Wigley show ever. Yeah. You are a pretty humble guy. You are a pretty humble guy. Tell me, you see what I just did there though. I kind of turned around my failure is like, Hey, look at this cool, like, yeah, no, you're good. You're good. At, <laughs> you're good at communicating and you're good at articulating too, which I am not. Um, another reason we work together. There's a lot of opposites between you and I, um, but I think it's, it's good opposites. And I remind myself of that. Um, cause when I'm being a squirrel and I'm like, Oh, did you, do we talk about this? Well, what about this thing? What about this thing? And you're just like writing things down, trying to organize it. And I'm like, I'm sorry, uh, dude, here's the deal. We laugh a lot together. That's what I've learned over the last couple of months. We laugh a lot together. So that, 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 that works. I'm sometimes laughing at you well, and I, I know you're laughing at me, <laughs> so it makes it work. Well, we love what we do. So, yeah. um, we help people and that's amazing. Um, tell me about your story, Nate. Give me, give me everything. Story. Uh, so I'm, I'll come at this from the business angle cause it's a business podcast. Um, my story is I grew up in automotive. I grew up in the industry. My dad, um, my, my dad would give his story as he worked for someone and that someone decided to retire and move to Florida. And so he got into business running a automotive repair shop, independent repair shop. 
um, which is different than running a dealership big time because an independent repair shop, you're working on every make and model, anything could come through the door. Um, so he was working for someone in the mid eighties and that person decided to retire. And so he was faced with the decision of whether or not to, um, sell the company or, um, I'm sorry, find a new job or buy the company. And so he chose to buy the company. And so when I was around seven or so, my dad bought a company. And I just, I was the kid that just hung around. I hung around all the time. Uh, my parents were, you know, starting a company together and that meant I was an only child. And so that meant like, I just had to be at the garage. And so as a little kid, I was started out painting, um, doing anything that needed to be done, dumping the trash, cleaning the bathrooms, doing all that stuff. I just was kind of like the regular mascot around the place. And then when I got old enough, I guess probably around 12 or so, I started actually turning wrenches, started working on Saturdays, um, whenever he was open on Saturdays. And, uh, I just grew up doing, doing the work of fixing cars. Um, somewhere I got, got, went off to college, went to business school, uh, got married. Um, that was the only time that I lived outside of the two, one, two, two, seven zip code. I have since traveled to many amazing places in the world but I've lived almost my entire life in, two, in 21227 in Maryland, um, except for the two years I was at college in Florida, um, except for the two years where I met my wife. And we came back together and we worked, we got married. We actually worked together um, at, at the garage. She, she ran the office. And um, at, the t- at first I was still a technician, kind of working my way up through the ranks. Um, and then gradually started, um, managing the other technicians that were there, especially when my parents were away on vacation. Um, and we worked together for many, many years, my wife and I, um, that's usually not recommended, um, for, for marriage, um, counseling is usually not recommended, but it worked for us. We loved it. Um, uh, and so we worked together for probably 24 years or so, um, until she felt, um, she, she went on to some other opportunities and, um, felt like that was a, a better fit for her. Um, I, uh, at, at the garage, I, um, worked a lot, worked a lot to lead the company, worked a lot to make a lot of changes, but I got to the place, uh, worth working with family where I just felt like, um, my parents aren't ready, quite ready to retire yet. My love gradually moved away from turning wrenches to managing a company. So the way I like to say it is I started looking at the company as a machine. You know, I worked on machines, but I, tried, I, I started to look at the business like a machine. Hey, how can I make this thing run better and how, how can we grow and, and make this happen? Um, so that's what I really fell in love with. Um, and my parents weren't ready to retire yet. And so during that time, I decided, hey, why don't I go and learn in what other um, industries have to offer um, in other small businesses? And, you know, you came up with this, you have this opportunity where um, you wanted to um, start a company helping other small businesses, especially in the service um, industry um, in, in that blue collar um, sector. And I was like, I, I would love to learn more about how business works um, and what I can do to contribute, what transfers from my experience to help somebody else. And it's been a blast. Um, so that's kind of, kind of how I ended up here. Sweet man. Well, thanks for being here. <laughs> um, all right. So your first job was with your dad turning wrenches. You know, I learned last week that you were an only child and it blew me away. 
so much clarity around my life as well. Um, I understood you so much. So, yeah. So that's a, that's a loaded statement right there. You're like, Oh yeah. yeah. Nate, Nate is self-absorbed and self-centered and doesn't know how to no, share. No, 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 no. You're fine. You're, um, but you do have like 18 kids. So I did. I, we, know, we, I, I get it. We, we tried to make up the difference, right? So I, not quite 18, maybe just four, but, um, <laughs> four kids and i i appreciate you one of the things i love about you is and we got this generation difference you uh going to church together uh you uh make my job as a parent easier because you hang out with my kids and like and volunteer working with my my teens and so some 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 of my boys will go to you to talk about things before they come to me and so i'm i'm cool with that because it's like this you know this understanding that we have so that message you might deliver it with a few more um colorful expletives, a couple more (laughs) F-bombs and that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. That's the way, that's the way, uh, you know, you younger kids communicate. Um, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah. And I hope there's, you know, um, and I hope you're, I know we're talking about business, but I hope it's okay. I mean, you know, they'll tell me things that are not to be repeated. And even though I work with you every day, it's like, you know, the bond I have with your boys is great. Um, and I think, um, if any, if I wanted to learn any parenting from anyone, it's you, you've raised, uh, significantly, um, you've, you've raised good young men. Um, and yeah. there's something to be said about that because all your boys are great. Um, you know, I, I've never spent any time with Abby, but there's no, you know, reason to, um, but I've had a lot of fun in the youth ministry, hanging out with the guys over the years. And I think my favorites are, some work for me and then the others are just your boys. So it's, <laughs> yeah. been, it's been fun. Or last episode, you know, you talked about influence and uh, yeah, I'm happy to have that influence. Um, I, I'm happy to, for you to have that influence with the kids. So with the boys, it makes my job way easier. I'm like, yeah, this is getting complicated. Go talk to Ryan. Yeah. And the, um, the community we're involved in too just makes even business way easier because, yeah. you know, as business owners, you need to have a community around you, right? And the community, even before you and I had this dynamic of working together every day, I could come into your shop and I could learn a lot from you. And that, that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious, did you have a lot of those, bis- you know, were you just bleeding business and, and wise wisdom of advice of a lot of guys that came by your shop or was it, did I get special treatment? How, how did it go with other <laughs> still, other people coming by? I don't know how to answer that question because I'm still not sure about this, um, these truth bombs that okay, I re- reported to have dropped. So there you go. That's, it was on your mind all the time so. and you were just... <laughs> You know, a fish doesn't know he's in water, and you were just you're in water just, telling people. Just having a conversation. It's just falling so. out of my back pockets. I don't know. I have no idea. Um, I do love sharing stuff that I learned. So there's a lesson there. I love sharing stuff that I learned. So I'm not surprised that you came along on a day where I read a chapter in a book. I'm like, dude, check this out. Um, that's yeah, yeah. That's kind of my. That's kind of the way I roll. Um, which is also why I told you to go watch Bullet Train. I thought it was a good movie, and I, and I don't yeah. understand. I don't understand. It was. It was a good movie. Okay. It was a good movie. Okay. I did like it. Okay. I liked Wakanda better. I just I I did like Bullet Train though. It was it okay. was fun. <laughs> but my nerdiness. All right. I'm going to give you two names, and you're going to tell me who you would rather meet. Okay. Oh, this is okay. Good. And this, this has to do. 
This has to do with your love for the E-Myth. Michael Gerber wrote the E-Myth, and you talk about this book every single day. Okay. So if you had the author of the E-Myth, Michael Gerber, if you had the opportunity to meet him or Donald Trump, <laughs> who would you want to meet? Oh, man. Okay, so this is... This is e- this is easy in one sense. If it's somebody that I wanted, if 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 I if I was in a day where I felt like I needed to get some inspiration and learn something, uh, without a doubt, it would be the author of the E Myth. Without a doubt, if I just wanted, um, uh, you know, you know, if I was like, man, I wish I could see, if I, I wish I drove by like a good, you know, train accident right now. Um, and I wanted to see something, you know, I, I wanted to see you know, something, my curiosity to be, uh, peaked and, and I, you know, have some kind of something interesting to laugh at, then definitely getting a beer with Donald Trump would be, would be what I would pick. So right. just really depends on the mood I was in. All right. The mood you're in. All right. Michael Gerber or what's a good actor's name? Oh, uh, Hugh Jackman. <sighs> Would you rather meet Hugh Jackman or Michael Gerber? I'm just trying to figure out how much you love this book, The E-Myth. Okay. All right. I, I guess Hugh, I, I do like a lot that Hugh Jackman did. So, I mean, I feel like I, I, I'd go with Hugh Jackman. I would go with Hugh Jackman because um, nine out of ten people that I would bump into later and be like, hey, I met Michael Gerber. They'd be like, okay, it do is he is is you know is he my insurance rep- representative or you know who is who is he is he in office in Baltimore County? Um, they wouldn't quite know why they knew that name, but Hugh Jackman would be like, oh, cool, you know, that'd be great. So yeah, I feel like there's more story, um, more opportunities for later stories. I'd go with Hugh Jackman. Okay, the last one is Michael Gerber. <laughs> you think I love this guy? <laughs> Dude, you talk about him all the time. Uh, he definitely had a lot to do with business for me. Okay, go, go. Or Creed from The Office. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've. I'm pretty sure Creed has nothing to offer me. <laughs> I, I go right. in that sense. I go with Michael Gerber. All right, I was just trying to figure out, you know, this whole E Myth thing. Okay, tell me. You talk about the E-Myth all day, every day. Uh, with You're appropriate about it. And and there's so much to learn from both of the books. And he's written different variations of it. But what is your favorite pieces from the book? I love the way he breaks down um, the technician, the manager, and the entrepreneur. Um, he does, And for those of you guys that have not read the book, one, go read the book. Um, but just a quick overview. And tell me more about... Tell me yeah. more about this. I feel three. I feel like it's because I I went through that journey in my own spirit, mm. right? So I spent yeah. I spent years as the technician, and he in the book he uses technician in the generic sense. I always tell people like like a dental hygienist is a technician. They're they're executing um, a skill that they've taken time to learn um, to help someone else's life. So you can be a technician of all kinds of different things. Um, uh, so. I was a technician, automotive technician, and there's a mindset that goes along with that. And there's a shift though, at some point when you start, if you're, um, 
uh, a business owner is when you hire your first person, or maybe you're a technician and you're, you've risen the ranks in, in, in the middle management, so to speak. And they've decided, Hey, you're such a good technician. And they give you your first responsibility to oversee someone else. Maybe it's an intern that came in, or maybe it's a, uh, maybe it's a team of other technicians. Like there's this assumption because you're a good technician, you must be able to be a great manager. Um, but those are wildly different skill sets. And I just love the way he breaks it down. Um, a technician's mindset is not, there's nothing wrong with him to stay a technician. If that's where he wants to be, if he loves turning the wrenches, he loves fixing the things and making the light bulb turn on. If he loves doing that, he should stay there. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but just because you're great at being a technician does not mean that you're going to be great at being a manager. It's a whole different skill set of being able to oversee someone, inspire someone, create a culture where people can learn. Um, that that's, that's an amazing jump and it's a different skill set. I enjoyed making that, that jump. Um, and then there's, then there's the jump after that, which is the entrepreneur and the entre- entrepreneur is the one that shakes things up. The one that, um, is not working in the business, not trying to execute tasks or overseeing the day to day, but the entrepreneur is thinking about the future and creating a space for his team to flourish going forward. So, I love the way he breaks it down and it really helped. It really clicked with me, especially starting as a technician. Very cool. So does each of that person take on a personality trait between those three? Like this person's typically an introvert. This person's typically an extrovert. Mm -hmm. This person does this. Tell me more about that. Yeah. I never thought about it that way. I know why you're asking because we recently just go went and learned all about uh, the Myers Briggs and personality types. Um, I think that I think that each of those personality types ha- has to lead differently. So I, uh. I've been around great managers that are extroverted, meaning meaning they get energy from other people and they just love it. Um, they they love the energy that other people give them and that they can they can bounce off of them and get and how it bounces back and forth. Some people are are extroverts and they're great managers. Um, some of the best managers that I've been around are, are introverted people. Um, our, our first pastor was more introverted, um, that, that we had, he's a great leader. Um, but he just, he does it in a different way. He did it in a different way. Um, he didn't motivate people all the time by being, um, uh, real personable with them. Um, some, some of the, some of the best public speakers are introverts, um, I just think it's a, it, it just, you just need to approach the same task from a different angle when you have a different personality. Yeah. From my experience, the introverts in leadership, typically when they show care, it's like, it it's real deep. Like it might be a gift basket, like with all your favorite things and like all these, just everything to be wildly personable is in that gift basket or something opposed to like what I've seen with extroverted leaders, they're always telling you you're doing a good job and you verbally hear it. And I mm-hmm. think the way they communicate care, um, and we do, a, you know, at Atlas, we do a whole lesson on care through the five love languages and, and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Um, but I think introverts, what I've seen is they'll, they'll care through like gift giving and acts of service and extroverts will do like words of affirmation um, and physical touch, like a lot of high fives, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean that. I never thought about it. that's that's great because I never thought about it that way. But it may, I mean, it makes total sense, right? 
we tend to care for people the way we want to be cared for. And an extrovert, it's all about the interaction, right? It could be the interaction of hearing encouragement back of what, how, what you meant to somebody, but it also, you know, the interaction of, you know, high five or a fist bump, um, is interaction. Whereas the introverts more, um, kind of thought out or pre-planned a little bit more thought out a little bit more. Um, they probably, a lot of introverts don't love being called out in public and being told, um, how great a job they did at something. They'd rather just maybe hear it privately if at all. Um, so yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And you helped elevate that for me. Um, cause I've been given the speech on how to give care, um, to your organization. We talk about the three C's too, on how to keep your employees care chemistry and, um, sorry, it's care challenge clarity and clarity. Yes. Yep. I set them out of order, so it was like hard to remember. Yep. Um, but the care talk, I've always talked about the five, five love languages, but you were the one. When I talk about the five love languages in that care talk, I say, oh, yeah, the you know the physical touch. Well, obviously, we're not going to physically touch anybody here, so ha-ha. But you made it better when you're talking about the high five, physical touch people like fist bumps. They, you know, they like a pat on the back, like a physical pat on the yeah. back and that type of thing. Um, so you helped elevate that teaching um, which is great. So my next question on your paper, that was supposed <laughs> to be for me, but now it's for you. Uh, I, and I'm learning lessons of what I'm going to, how we're going to handle this in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make yeah. you go first. Um, oh yeah. I, that's what I was thinking. I was like, Oh buddy, you should make me go first. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what is your biggest influences? Who are your heroes? Hmm. Um, I, my mind immediately goes back to when I was a kid. I feel like you're formed a lot of, a lot of what forms you as a man, especially is the men you had around you when you were younger. So for me, my dad was for sure. One of my, um, influences and heroes. Um, I mean, it's why I got into automotive was to be around him, um, and closer to him. He taught me a ton. I was also, even though I was an only child, I was, also very blessed to have, um, uh, multiple uncles in my life that, um, my, cause my mom was the oldest of five kids. So my uncles were like 10 or 13 years older than me. Um, so they were in that cool zone, kind of like you are with my boys. You're in that cool zone of like, just, just older. And so I was blessed to have uncles, that, um, that were super involved in my life. So even though my dad didn't hunt and fish or, you know, do any of those kind of things, I had uncles that did and they did, they were huge in my life. Um, and so they, they would, they would take me out and teach me how to, um, everything from martial arts to, um, hunting, fishing, camping, backpacking, outdoor stuff. So they were huge. Um, and I also got to see their marriages up close cause I would like the summer I would bounce around to their houses and, um, usually sleep on their couch and, um, they'd take me to work or they'd take me out in the woods, but I also got to see their marriages up close. So they were huge influences to me. And then when I was in high school, I had a youth pastor. My, my church didn't have a youth pastor in high school. They hired one. Um, and I was always over his house. So there was always men that were like about 10 years older than me, um, that I learned a ton from. And I'm realizing it now how much I learned from them when I was a kid, I didn't, I was just having fun. Uh, but I realize now it shaped my character a lot. 
Um, and you are very outdoorsy as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'd ra- which is weird. Well, I'm, yeah, I live in the suburbs, but um, I would rather be in the woods and the mountains. Yeah. I mean, we have Patapsco right there, so it's not too, too bad. It's a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been some of the things that I've loved to do um, is be able to take people out in the woods, go backpacking, learn learn about how to navigate and do all those fun stuff out those fun things out in the woods um so right now we have we have one client that we work extremely hard with um because this client needs a lot of work this client uh that we have now they're on the verge of failing and we have come in and we have done our very hardest and very best to not allow that to happen and we haven't allowed it to happen um, Nate, tell me about your day to day, what you're doing, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, day to day is, you know, we break it down or I think about it in systems and culture, those, those two things. And so day to day, it might be, um, being on the phone, hiring someone, um, to help fill a gap in this company, or it might be giving some encouragement to someone that's just taken on some responsibilities. So I'll spend spend time on the phone with uh, the office manager as an example and you know just letting her know hey yep this is what these are the boundaries that you can draw in order to create um, the best culture and communication within your team um, so giving advice like that um, um, but then you know the next minute we might I might be building a spreadsheet to better track a system so that it can be automated um, so what I've loved as we've we've worked with this company is breaking those things down. Hey, how can we help this client with either culture or systems? And from my point of view, I feel like starting with culture oftentimes is what you have to do first. It's not as sexy um, to to start there because some a lot of times when you see problems, you want to go in and like come up with some system to fix it. Um, you might want to start firing people or hiring people to make it happen real quick. Um, but the slower way, but uh, that I find is ulti- oftentimes the better, more um, longer lasting way is to work with culture um, and creating open dialogue where there wasn't before um, to give someone, you know, get, get someone in the right seat on the bus so that they're, um, you, you know, they're, they're contributing to the team getting the team looking out at the world instead of inward and blaming each other when something goes wrong. Um, those kind of things. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, I would say day to day is you're usually helping your, a lot of what I see you do is you're, you're doing what needs to be done in the company to be successful, but you're making sure someone in the company is watching you at least. Mm. So then they can do it the next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's nothing I asked you to do. It's just something you were like, yeah, this is what, this is what and how we should mm-hmm. do. Cause you're just very good at what you do. Um, yeah, cause we're, we're not going to be there. <laughs> we're eventually not going to be there. Right. Yeah. The goal is, is for us not to be there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really, really good. It's this, the concept of working yourself out of a job. Um, want to work myself out of a job. Yeah. Move on to the next client to help them. Yep, move on to the next one. Um, all right, back to the automotive industry. What are the things? What I I had two questions that because I have ADD, I'm I'm coming back to this now because I just remembered. 
Um, this isn't one of my questions. You're, you're not following my list perfectly, are you? No. No, because you have no. ADD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ADHD, man. Get it right. uh, I don't actually. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I, I didn't pay attention in school. That's, that's what degree I have. Um, so the automotive industry, what you said, oh, I, I, I work in a, um, I work in a private, you said a private shop, independent, or, independent. Or, or, independent repair shop. Yeah. You work at an independent repair shop, not a dealer. You're very like, I'm not a dealer. <laughs> so nothing wrong with dealers. What's the difference between? Yeah. All right. All right. I'm just saying I felt it through the screen. Um, what is the difference between a dealer and an independent repair shop? I want to know the, like, systematically as a customer coming up to one, but also as a technician. Yeah. Why would a technician work for you? And why would a technician work for a dealer? Okay. I'll start there first. Um, a technician, uh, most of the technicians I know, um, well, they have two qualities. They usually love fixing things and they love cars. So they have a love for cars. So some technicians love working at dealerships because they get to work on the newest and sexiest best thing that just came off the, the assembly line. They want to, they want to, they want to have their hands on the newest technology. Um, and they, you know, and they love it and maybe they love a certain brand too. Um, maybe they've come to love, you know, they just love Ford or they love Chevrolet. So they spend all day long, you know, they love working on, on those, um, independents, independents are different. So they, independents are working on cars. Once they're a few years old, they're out of warranty. If your car is under warranty, then an independent repair shop can't, like you'd have to pay them to fix your car. Um, so they, they can do as an independent shop, we worked on very a, a lot of brand new cars, but we were doing maintenance, the stuff that the, the owner of the car had to, had to pay for. Um, but if there's anything that had to do with recalls or, or warranty, then it had to go back to the dealer. So the, what the, the, the technicians that do really well in independent are ones that are real. Um, as I would say, they, they're, they're willing to open a can of do. They just love fixing stuff and they just don't take no for an answer and they love problem solving and they just keep working it until they solve it. Um, and a lot of the guys in the independent shop, because you don't, you don't have anything to fall back on. You don't have a corporate, um, any, 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 anyone to bail you out, you know, the dealership, when you go to an average dealership, um, there, they might have really good text there, but, um, they also have that safety net of the corporate, um, monster to be able to help them. Um, independent shops oftentimes do not have that. They don't, they, there's some, there's some help between them or there's a network, but they, but they have to, they have to be really good problem solvers. And so as an independent guy, I could make the argument that I think some of the best technicians I know are in the independent world because they had to, they had to learn not only every, they might have a sob come in one minute and then a Toyota the next, and then a Ford back and forth. You know, they might have a car that's two years old doing maintenance on it. And the next one rolling in after that is going to be the 20 year old rust bucket that they have to figure out how to keep alive and resuscitate to keep it going. And so there's some of the best, most skilled technicians that I know. So is the term can of do pretty much the same term as opening up a can of whoop ass? Sure. <laughs> is that where you got it I, I from? I don't know. I had a technician. I had one technician who did not do very well with me 
Um, yeah. Uh, he came, and he said he was going to open a can of whip He came along you? later. He came along later. He did well. But when he first started with me, did not do really well with me. And he was constantly, he was bringing me problems, no solutions. Mm-hmm. And it was always like, well, Here it comes. Hey, did you try this? Did you try that? And then I don't know why one day it just came. I was like, I need you to go back there and just open a can of do on this thing. Like, tell me what you can do with this thing. Um, so I, I don't know, maybe I had in my head, open a can of whoop ass. I'm not sure. Maybe I, ha- maybe I was drinking a Mountain Dew that, that and day. And then you fought him to the <laughs> end and there was a pipe wrench <laughs> and, and I you beat just him up. whiffed it across yeah, his temple. Yeah, took him out. No, he ended up, he, he stopped bringing me so many problems and started, um, trying to solve them himself. So I think he had come from a dealership. And so like, that's the other thing. So dealerships, man, you know, they're working on things that are like two years old. And like when the book says that alternator will take one hour to do, it usually takes less than that. But once the car is 10 years old, like those bolts have been in tight forever. You know, you start breaking things, you know, you start, you touch it and then psh, snaps off. Um, you got to deal with it. And so we always, always needed to come down to some solution to figure out what to do to help somebody. Um, and so I didn't do real well with, um, a bunch of reasons why this can't be done. I need you to get back there, open a can of do on it. Um, so the, the other thing in the dealerships, you asked you ask before you asked about what was different between an independent shop and a dealership. Now, this doesn't apply to every independent shop, but a lot of it comes down. There, there are some pre, there, there are some trends with the way um, technicians are paid in, in the different models. Um, so uh, as far as I know, without exception in a dealership, they're going to get paid flat rate, meaning technicians get paid usually 100 percent they get paid based on the work that they do. So if the job says it takes an hour to do it and they do it in a half an hour, then their paycheck at the end of the week gets paid based on an hour. So for those technicians, uh, you'll hear them sometimes talk on a busy week. They might turn, they'll say, I turned 80 hours this week. It doesn't mean they worked 80 hours, but it just means that they did 80 hours worth of work and that's what they're getting paid on. Some of them love that. Some of them love that. Um, the downside to that is when there's a slow period though, they don't have any work. So they might not be, they might not have a full, they might not have 40 hours to work, um, during the slow time. The other downside to that too, from a company perspective is that it puts, it pits those guys to against each other at times. Um, so, you know, if, if one, if three cars come into the, to the shop that day and there's five technicians, they're all looking at each other, you know, who's going to get this job. There's a lot of politics and infighting that happens in those kind of places. And, um, uh, in the end, the client's not served a lot of times because in the end there's a big, as, as honest as you might be, there's, there's a tendency to maybe blow something out of proportion. Um, people get sold things that maybe they don't need. Um, and that's kind of what happens at a lot of those kind of places. Uh, definitely not across the board. I'm definitely not saying that people that work in uh, dealerships are dishonest. Um, but there is a tendency towards some to more of that. Um, the industry isn't known. Um, it doesn't have a great reputation and that's part of the reason why independent shops. I always pay my guys hourly. Um, and, and they would get, you know, paid overtime if they worked more, we worked more as a team. It created teamwork. Um, they would always get bonused at the end of the month on, on the hours that they turned. It was a small bonus. Thank you kind of thing to stay motivated. Um, but I always felt like I needed to hire good people with the character that would work that weren't just 
flat rate that weren't just getting paid um, only when they when they when you know when they produce something. I need to have good people of character that showed up on time. Um, so I worked really hard to make sure we had those people, um, and we worked as a team. And it created, in my mind, it created a better culture. And that, from a client's point of view, I think came across because clients would come in, they would oftentimes, you know, know have a personal relationship with the technicians. Um, they felt the 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 sense of teamwork, um, and it it played out in the advice that we gave them too, in the way we fixed our cars. Um, we weren't just motivated by getting more, more jobs. Like we just were honest with somebody knowing that they were going to come back. And when it was time to do that coolant flush, I didn't have to try to sell them today just to, to pay my rent. I am, um, wildly offended because you did not ask me this question on your paper. (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Um, so this is, this is my last question for you. And again, I'm offended. Are you a DIY guy or would you rather buy retail? <laughs> oh yeah. I had that on my list and I, I, uh, I forgot about that one. Oh yeah. I forgot. Yeah, just yeah. Well, so uh, hey, here's a cool thing. You can answer convenient. this too. You can answer this too. Um, I like that question because, um, it, it, uh, it communicates something about the person, whether they're willing to open a, okay. open a can of do or not. Um, so me, Oh, here we me, go. I would rather DIY something than pay for it to be done that, but that, but right. that doesn't always turn out well. My wife has a whole list of things that when we first got married, I was into woodworking. So I'd be like, no, we're not going to buy that. I can make it, but I just never got around to making it. So as I've gotten older, no, I've no, learned there is a time to, to buy. What are you mumbling about? No, no. I just said nowadays a two by four costs a lot that's, of money. That's true. Yeah, my. But what judgment do you make of a guy who rather buy retail? Uh, I'm not making. I'm not making any judgment. What, what kind of shame do you? You just what said kind of shame there's a lot have? to be said. <laughs> there's a lot to be said about the guy who'd rather have retail. Uh, I was say I, okay. I meant that in the sense of there's positive to be said about the guy who um. It, would ra- like loves to craft something and make something, um, and find, uh-huh. find a way around it. Um, I'm not necessarily saying there's something bad about the guy who ch- decides to buy. Okay. So right, are well, you I'm a DIY guy? Answer to what myself? I don't know. I'm keeping my answer to myself because you didn't ask me on when it was my turn. <laughs> so you're never going to know, <laughs> but I have my judgments about the DIY or okay. retail person too. Uh, here, here's so what I'm not going to share them because this is not my podcast. This is here's yours. my judgment of you. This is your episode. Here's my judgment of you. Okay. You're a DIY business All dude. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't uh, know how yeah, many projects sure. you do, crafty projects. But there's lots of different ways to do a DIY, and so. You could pay someone to run your company for you and do all the little pieces, or you can um, be scrappy. And uh, you, you got that in business. So, yeah, I would say the hardest part right now in business is that I'm bigger than where I came from. Um, so I have no idea what you know the next level looks like. Like working it every day and being in, immersed in it every day, um, because I came from a really small shop, just like. You came from a small automotive shop. Um, so it's like, you know, a couple million looks a lot different from a multi-million, right. you know, and then going in from those and stuff like that. So it's been kind of one of the, the hardest challenges. 
Yeah. And I think that's, this is going to be, um, a great way, um, for us to be able to get more advice as well from people. And as we bring people from different business perspectives, different business experiences here to this podcast, we're going to be able to learn from them. Hopefully they'll be able to learn from us as well. And then whoever listens will be able to learn. And so as we, uh, that's a big, that's a big principle in life to be able to, to hang around people that you can learn from that have a different aspect or a different, different perspective. So that'll be good. Yeah. So, uh, Nate, I think so highly of you. Um, you are an amazing person to work with. I can't believe you, you took the offer, but I learned more from you every day and you make me better. So thank you for being around. And this podcast uh, was never going to happen without you. And a lot of people are going to become better at it. And that's what we're here to do to help people become better. So All right. thank you. Man. All right, I appreciate it. <laughs>